And I just want to share a few thoughts, some real practical ones actually, but about faith because sometimes we get so over-spiritual about the word faith, it almost becomes a word that means next to nothing. It also, it's sometimes it's like a feeling. We've got to get some faith in the building. Ooh, I've got faith now. No, you've got nothing. You're just looking an idiot. You're just shivering and moving around and waving your arms around. But you see, faith is something that is birthed in the heart and finds its way out through everything that we are. It finds its way out in our walk, in our speech, in our heart, in our mind, in our thinking, in our ambitions. When faith gets rooted in you, faith in Jesus Christ, possibilities just open before you. The whole world becomes a, an open door or a series of open doors that by faith, that you can step through and step into. By faith, we can live a life that is dependent and totally trusting in, in, in the creator of all things. If you're going to put your trust somewhere, you may as well put your trust in the all-powerful one, in the one who has all authority and all power and all knowledge and all wisdom. So to put faith in God just open, opens up this thing called life to us like never before. And the amazing thing about faith is it deals with our eternity while we're at it. It's an amazing, amazing concept. I love the way Jesus exampled faith. I'm going to tell you a story now of four days in the life of Jesus that actually just epitomize not only his faith and how faith works, because it's quite simple when it works well, but you'll see how complicated human beings can make faith. And I want to show you how that simple, straightforward, almost childlike straightforward down the line faith can overcome all the complications, the obstacles that people in your world and in your city, the same as mine, would complicate faith with these kind of obstacles and barriers. Let me take you on this journey. It's four days. Jesus is traveling between the Jordan outside Jerusalem and Bethany in Judea. And some of you that know your Bible may have worked out where we're going with this. This is a story that you'll find in John chapter 11. It's a story where Lazarus was raised from the dead. But Jesus received a message and it's recorded in verse 3 that, that Lazarus is sick. Now how many of you realize that you don't send a messenger from a family household with a message like two days away to get to Jesus to say he's sick as in he's got a headache? He's obviously dying, and you find out by the next verse or two that it, that indeed was the case. So Jesus gets a message from the sisters of Lazarus because they knew that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Now, I wouldn't mind stopping there and preaching on that for a little while, to be a friend of Jesus. That's got to be pretty cool. The way he looks at us, he didn't, he didn't die, you know, for citizens or for 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 sheep or for what he died for his friends. He laid down his life for his friends. It's an amazing concept. But Jesus gets this little bit of news. It's negative news. It's, let's, let's face it, there's nothing positive about a message saying your friend's dying. But notice Jesus straight away, his response was like that. It was spontaneous. It was immediate. It was, it was almost like a response of something, a response to something that was within him. And it kind of comes out, it gushes out, because what's inside comes out. Yeah. But you see, what didn't come out was reason. 
He didn't say, give me more information on that. I mean, don't just give me a statement. I want the facts. I need to think about all the details, all the facts. What do you mean he's sick? What is the sickness? What, how, how long has he been sick? Have a, has a doctor visited him? What treatment has he? He didn't start with, I want more information to analyze so that I can respond. It gushed out of him. And the amazing thing about faith is, Faith isn't dependent upon facts. It's not dependent on information. It's dependent upon the God of heaven dropping something into the heart and the spirit of a human being that enables us to respond by faith. That enables us, there is so much trust within our heart. There's so much wisdom. And by the spirit of God, he can drop in information or a message or belief that something is going to happen and you haven't reasoned it out. In fact, You try and reason it out after you've got faith for it and it sounds ridiculous because the facts tell you, well, that's going to be tough. But you answered in faith and in faith it wasn't tough when you answered it. A child can do that. A child can stand on a wall and and jump out to dad. They're not basing their jump based on, on the distance to be covered and the height and taking into account aerodynamics. They're jumping out in there by faith because they know dad's going to catch me. And you see, faith in its purest form is very simple. It's childlike almost. It's innocent. And here's Jesus who just turns around from verse 3, Lazarus is sick and he's turned straight out. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The story tells us that Jesus waits two days and then goes on a two-day journey so that it took him four days to get there and as you'll see by the end of the story, there's, there's a reason for that. Jesus believes there's a miracle ahead. This will not end in death. This will be something that kind of brings honor and glory to, to God's name. Now, whoever, whoever listened to his response was probably shocked, if you think about it. They've just been sent from the family to say, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, he's sick. In real terms, he's dying. And all Jesus comes back with is there's going to be a miracle here. This is going to be something that shows just how good God is. And the messenger must have been thinking, we'll see. Because all I know is I've seen the guy. He looks pretty sick to me. He looks like he's on his way out. I don't know what I'm going to say to this Jesus guy, but his response is not what anybody expected. Faith can be a little bit like that. When your response to life is a little bit more positive and hopeful and trusting than society expects you to have faith in Jesus. He then comes across all of these obstacles and I think you'll recognize some of these obstacles to faith in people that you know, in the society that you live in. You may even find and recognize some of these in your own responses and if that's the case, it's okay. What we need to get to by the end of this message is a realization that we are better off following Jesus's example of faith than religion's example of faith or society's example of lack of faith. So the first one is this. He he comes across all of these attitudes and the first attitude was fear. He says there's going to be a miracle. This will end up good. Don't worry about this. God's all over this. And the first thing, and it comes from his disciples, the ones that you would have expected to say amen. The ones you would have expected to say, oh Jesus, yeah, like that. 
This is going to end up, oh, yes, let's get on this journey. Let's get over there and see a miracle. No, they were scared to death. And I'll tell you why. Because as soon as he mentioned Judea, verse 7, let us go back to Judea. That is not what they wanted to hear. Last time they'd been in Judea, Jesus' life was under threat. And being the great disciples that they are, the great supporters of their master and Lord, they were fearful, probably not for him, but for themselves. What, Judea? You've got to be kidding me. You mean he's dying in Judea? Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, if he was dying in another place, we could have seen something good happen here, but we ain't going back there. I mean, you do realize we're in a little bit of trouble if we all get back to Judea. It's not looking good. They were fearful before they'd taken a step. They were fearful at the mention of a name. Sometimes we're fearful at the, the name of a place, of an experience, of somebody's name, because straight away what it conjures up in our heart isn't faith, but fear that I ain't going back to that. I ain't going back to that person. I don't want to see that person ever again. I ain't going to that city. That was my past. That's where I was in danger of getting things wrong. That's where I did things wrong. And here we are with God, able and capable of doing some incredible, miraculous things. And all we've got in our heart is the fear of a place or a person or an experience. And already we've got some blockage that we're not really excited about getting involved with we live in Australia it's a beautiful country but everything that can kill you is in Australia <laughs> I'm responsible for seven locations in Queensland seven of our locations and two in the northern territories now that means two of the locations I'm responsible for is a four hour 15 minute flight Australia's big so it's not like um, Berlin to outer Berlin it's like Berlin to the other side of Siberia or somewhere. I don't know where four and a half hours would take you. <clears throat> Up in Darwin, it is tropical, which means it's hot and sweaty. It is always warm. The only difference in the season is for nine months it rains, like bucket loads of rains for a few hours. And then there's three months when it doesn't rain as much. But the humidity and the heat is pretty significant. You would love to get into the ocean, would you not? There is a whole, it's the north coast of Australia. There is more beach line. There are thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers of beach line and nobody's in the ocean. Why? Because everything that can flip and kill you is in that water looking at you before you get in there. There's crocs everywhere. There's box jellyfish. There's red this, there's blue that, there's yellow the other and nobody gets in the ocean. Because everything, so if somebody said, I've, I, think, uh, I think you've got a calling from Berlin, Hillsong Berlin's going to plant Hillsong Darwin. Mark will be going, oh, no, 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 we ain't going to Darwin. Send me anywhere else, but I ain't going to go where it's dangerous. You see, fear can hold you back. But if Jesus has got faith in his heart, what's he going to do with his disciples? Would he allow somebody else's fear to stop his journey of faith? I'm glad that he didn't. And that was only the first obstacle. You see, wisdom, fear of getting in the, you know, the ocean, in, that's, that's, that's wisdom that says, I ain't getting in the water. It's not fear. You're not scared to death of stuff. You're just smart enough not to get in. But when the enemy uses fear, when you're incapable of doing the most logical, normal things, you can't because you're tied up in fear, you're in a bit of trouble. And I reckon the antidote to that fear tonight is faith in Jesus because he can sort that out in your heart. Then there's another one that comes up. It's confusion. Now, I love this. You've got to smile. I left my, bar, I left my phone down there with the script. Did, did you get the script? Have you been putting the scriptures up? 
Okay, you probably got it there then. I'll read it off there. If we read from, chap- from uh, chapter 11, from verse 11 to verse 16, you'll find that they respond when Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. That's the language that Jesus used. But I'm going there to wake him up. So Jesus, as it often did, didn't make speech understandable and easy. He put it in a realm where you needed faith and revelation to understand what he was talking about. So he throws, he's talking to his disciples, for goodness sake. You'd have thought they'd have had a bit of a clue by now. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And then verse 11 says, Und er fur, fur, oh, no, I'm stuck there. It says, Si fuera en español, podría decirlo, porque yo predico en español. ¿Tenemos españoles aquí o no? Ándale, ya, 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 ya ves, ya ves. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Now, that doesn't, that's not even logical. If he sleeps, he will get better. Two completely different metaphors. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Keep going. So then he told them plainly, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now that's pretty plain. He's tried, he's tried the approach of seeing if they've got any understanding and revelation. That didn't go too well. So let's just tell them what it is. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. You see, faith is at the core of what he's doing right here. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, he's a smart boy, also known as Didymus. That says a lot about him said to the rest of the disciples, okay, boys, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> the guy's a genius. Is that the last verse or have we got more? Is that verse 16? I've no idea. I haven't got the Bible in front of me. That'll do. We've clarified that there is confusion in the camp. The disciples who've been with him, he throws out, oh, Lazarus is asleep. We're not going to, oh, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up then. Oh, well, if he's asleep, we'll, he'll get better. That doesn't make sense. Oh, if he's asleep, then let's all go and die. It's like they had no clue what the heck was going on. And it's the same Jesus who has been preaching and teaching and discipling and doing miracles. Confusion was all over the place. Let us also go that we may die with him. Well done, Thomas, you nutcase. The good thing is, that when we live our life and we live a life with faith in our heart, other people can be very easily confused with what that means and what it's all about. And it, 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 sometimes you explain something, let's say about the Bible or about truth or about a, you know, a, an experience you've just gone through to a non-believer. And now and again, you explain it and you think, man, I explained that well. Man, I couldn't have done that better if I'd have written it down and tried. And they look at you as if you've just been speaking Swahili. They have got no concept of what you've just talked about and you just thought you'd done a great job of it because confusion still reigns. There's still a lack of understanding, light, revelation that, that with that suddenly faith steps in and they, everyone else can understand and see. Isn't it amazing? I'm looking back when I was a Christian, became a Christian, I understood more in the next few weeks than I'd understood about life for many, many years before. And so there's confusion. Here's another one. I call this conditional faith. Look at verse 21. Martha, sister, had faith in Jesus, but this conditional thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Now, does that sound like a statement of faith to you? Because it does when you read it first. She's saying, Jesus, you're so cool. You're so powerful. You love my brother so much. You are, you've got all that authority. You've done all those miracles. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Sounds like a faith statement until you realize the word if. In other words, she said, you were in the wrong place. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. So what on earth were you thinking when we needed you in Bethany and you're out there near the Jordan? What is going on, God? Jesus, are you not understanding what is required for you to do a miracle? I mean, what, what is she doing? Is she telling Jesus how it's supposed to work? Is she telling Jesus how a miracle is supposed to operate? She actually was. So you see, what happens is, and let's see if we do this ourselves, but certainly in society, there's a lot of people who they kind of have this idea of, they, they, they kind of believe that God is powerful and able to do something. But if he does that, then I'll do that. You know, if I, if I get a job, then I'll, be, I'll start being generous. It doesn't work that way. You know, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. In other words, God, I'm telling you how this is going to work because of the word if. See, get rid of the conditions if you allow God to be God, and if you just become the person of faith in God, life gets so much more simple and less complicated. So don't add on the conditions. Jesus, you were in the wrong place. Jesus, you're too late. It's four days later and you've turned up. It's no good telling God he's too late. Time is in God's hand. It's like he doesn't operate by our watch. It's not like, God, I needed a miracle yesterday at 3 p.m. I told you, and I'm still sick. And I've got to face an operation next week, so you've, I'll give you another date, because I don't want the operation. So you will operate like this, in other words, but it's all clouded in, Jesus, I've got faith that you can heal me in the next few days. And it sounds like that, but in our heart, we're giving God all of these conditions. And actually, we're not saying, I've got simple, childlike, innocent faith. We say, and I've found ways of complicating this simple thing called faith by being a human being. Stop telling people what to, stop telling God what to do, I should say. Then you find another one very similar. In verse 22, the next verse, you find general faith or generalized faith. Martha says, I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. Is that a faith statement? Well, it kind of is. Because she's saying, I believe in God. I believe he, he can give you anything. The issue is, she wasn't believing for anything. We can all believe for anything. It's when it comes down to the specifics of this thing. So here she is with the need was a brother dying. And she's talking about the anythings, some things. You know, so many believers, we're believers but we're only believers for the anything, but never the one thing. We, we struggle with the specifics. We believe God can heal anybody until we're sick or our family's sick. We, we believe that God can provide absolutely anything. But as I don't have a job right now, I'm really struggling in my faith. Because we are good at the general. We're not so good at the specific. And so it's not can God do anything in your world, it's can God give you the child that you're believing for? Can God heal 
barrenness or, or heal a, 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 a challenge of, of childbirth? Can God do something about the sickness that is in, in your family? It's not can he do anything, can he do that thing is where you're going to need your faith. Not can he provide, but can he provide for you? Can he provide for your family? Can he build the church? Well, he can build a church around the world, but can he build the one that you're in and keep seeing that moving forward? So generalized faith ain't going to take us to where we need to go. Specific faith will. Let me give you another one, number five. Faith for another time. Look what it says in the Bible throughout the scripture. Faith is always present tense. If you were to say to me, oh, Steve, I'm a believer. I believed in 1995. It's an indictment upon your 2019 that you only believed back then. But you see, there's other believers. Oh, I'm a believer. I, I, I believe God will, do, God will change things in the future. Whenever God wants to, it'll all be good. But it's faith for the future. But faith is present tense. Hebrews 11 says, now faith, present tense faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's see what the sister says. Verse 24, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's a faith statement, but it's a faith statement about the last day, sometime in the future. So here she is believing that he wouldn't have even died if Jesus had been here. And now Jesus has come fulfilling what she'd required of him. Think about it. You needed to be here. Well, he is. So anything can happen now. And her faith statement is, yes, I, will. I believe he will rise from the dead. You think she's got it at the last day in eternity somewhere. Like one day, he'll rise again. Is it faith? I'll tell you what, it's going to be complicated, this faith thing. If you leave it to Martha, faith is so complicated. If you leave it to Jesus, he'd fixed it and worked it all out in the first moment that he got the news. Simple, straightforward. Not only in the future, but believing right now. Sixthly, cynicism. Cynicism. When you get critical, you know, when you add that on. So he now enters the village. He comes across Mary and Martha. He comes across the mourners. Even with faith burning in his heart, you know, he's got it simple and straightforward. He's come to sort this situation out. But even with that, there's no brashness about Jesus. You see, a person of faith, 21st century, you say, oh, he's a real man of faith. And you kind of expect that guy to raise his voice and shout and scream as if that's kind of what that means. It's got nothing to do with it. Look at the Jesus example. Verse 33, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, but he's full of faith. Verse 35, longest verse in the Bible, not Jesus wept. And verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. You see, to be a person of faith is not to be brash. It's to have that quiet, full, total expectation that God's got this. God's got it in his hands. Jesus cries real tears. Not the tears of an icon in a, in a, in a monastery. Not, 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 not tears for himself. Not even tears for, for Lazarus. But tears for what he saw among the mourners and what he saw among the sisters and he felt for them and he felt for the town and he felt for the lack of belief and the unbelief and you told me you just wanted me to be here to fix this and I'm here and you still can't see. You still don't actually believe with everything that I've said and everything that I've done. But in his heart, with crying, with tears in his eyes, but with faith in his heart, he still knew that Lazarus would rise from the dead. He said, it will not finish in death. 
There's no arrogance in him. But look at the arrogance, the cynicism, the criticism of the people. Verse 37. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I mean, if this Jesus is so good and so powerful, why did he allow this to happen? Have you ever heard that in society? Have you heard that on the TV? Have you heard that? Have you read that in the media? You know, if there's a God, well, why so much suffering? If there's a God, why, as if God is the one to blame about for the things that you and I do as human beings. But it's not the way it is. And here he comes and uh, he's, he, he hears the cynicism and the criticism and you and I get it on some occasions. But if you've got a heart of faith, you just keep on going in your faith as Jesus did. I love it when it gets to verse 39, when now it's getting right to the crux of the matter, right to the climax of this. And now this cautious faith. She says, verse 39, but Lord. Now those two words shouldn't ever go together. If he's the Lord, get your butt out of there. If you're the Lord, it can't be but Lord. In other words, start arguing with him and tell him it's wrong. What she's actually doing she says, but Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead four days. Remember, he could have got there in two days, but he waited two and then traveled two. He made sure everybody knew this is now impossible. The fourth day has gone by. He's kind of very dead. You know what I mean? Like dead to the point that nobody could argue afterwards. Dead so long that you can smell the stench coming out of the, the, uh, the uh, what's the word? Cave, tomb. Who's the genius over here? The tomb. Amen. Somebody's listening. The tomb. They could smell it. The seal was on the tomb. It was all done and dusted, finished. You could smell it. So here's Martha, believing, praying for Jesus. To, Jesus is there. She's got all complicated. Maybe on the last day. Maybe this. Possibly the other. And Jesus is there. And instead of saying, come on, Jesus, thank you for coming. Do what you've got to do. She said, but Lord, can I just say a few words first? I just want to point out in case anybody hasn't noticed, he's actually really dead. I'm talking four days dead. What I mean is his body has the stench of death. I mean, everybody, I just thought I'd mention that because what Jesus, I don't know what he's going to do, but it's a bit difficult. Just in case this doesn't work, just in case, you know, don't want to disappoint you, Jesus, but it's a tough one. I just want to say that. So, Hey, that's me finished. I'll just leave it with you, Jesus. On you go. Isn't it amazing that we're good with faith until it comes to the actual moment when faith is needed? Isn't it amazing that we can live a life of faith? We can talk faith. We can sing faith. We can pray faith. And then it comes that one critical moment when you need to believe and suddenly it's, well, I just need to point out, you know, I know this is... You, know, you might not want to do oh, it's a bit difficult. You know, it might be a bit late for you. I don't know. You know, you need faith when you need faith. It's not some resident thing that just lies there and it just comes out without you even thinking about it. You have to exercise it when you need it. And can I say to somebody in this room tonight, this is when you need it. And you know this is your time to need the faith that you've been singing about and praying about, and listening to messages about. These things in your world, these things maybe in your family, or in your job, certainly in your life for many of you. That it's just Jesus saying, instead of believing me back then or complicating it, why don't you just put your faith in me tonight? 
and I can do what I've been sent to do in your life. And here we get to verse 43. And Christ has come, Jesus has come all the way four days. He's met all the cautiousness, the criticism, the cynicism, the generalization, the fear, the confusion. And he's now absolutely right there at the moment, hoping that he's going to see faith in the crowd. But whether he sees it in others or not, he exercises the faith that is in his heart. And you've got to do the same. And all he does is shout, Lazarus, come out. It's a good job he said the name Lazarus. Because if he'd have just shouted to death, come out, all the dead would have risen right there. Such is the authority. Such is the power of a word from Jesus. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, four days dead, the stench of death, the seal on the tomb, starts wriggling around moving about, and they open the tomb and out he comes. I'd love to have seen the face on the crowd. The amazing thing, even when Jesus' faith was fulfilled, is that people still didn't believe. Because not everybody ever will. There are people who, even, even non-believers who have said, God, if you just do this for me then, that's the conditional thing again. And God does something for them and then they forget all about God. Or, or, or you say to, to friends or family or work colleagues, we were in such a dire, dire straits financially. And it's not that I'm a genius and worked my way through this. We've actually had a financial miracle. And people will say, oh man, it's so good for you. I'm so happy for you. No, they're not. They're jealous. Or they don't believe you. Or they think you're just making it up. Because not everybody believes. They saw Lazarus come out from the dead. And still not everybody believed. But the great thing about faith is this. The key to the whole story. Verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Because society says, if you see it, then you can believe it. But Jesus says the opposite way around. Did I not tell you that if you believed, then you would see? And if you're going to believe for Berlin, Mark and Joyce and Andres and Sheila and the whole team here, if you're going to believe for the church just to keep on being healthy and expanding and growing, the faith comes before the sight. The building that you haven't got yet, if you close your eyes, you'll see it. The, the, the facilities, the possibilities... The, the, the leaning from people, the, the faith of people, the salvations that are coming. You've got you to believe first so that then you see the resources that you're going to need to be the sort of church Jesus believes in. Not a struggling one on a corner of a street somewhere hiding out of the way. But if you're going to be a church of influence and you, if you could just believe, say, Jesus, I believe in you to build your church. We'll just grab onto your coattails and keep on chasing behind you. But you take us to where we've got to go in Jesus' name. I could go on, but I think you've got the message. Faith can be so simple if we just put an innocent, childlike belief and trust that God can do absolutely anything whenever he chooses. And when it comes to our challenges of life, the time for faith is the time that you need it. It's not the theory. 
It's the practice. And I'm going to believe in this auditorium this afternoon that your moment has arrived to apply your faith. And all I'm going to do is give you the opportunity to say, Jesus, from this afternoon forward, I'm going to absolutely believe. I don't care how long it takes. It's whatever it takes. I don't care how you do it. It's just that I'm believing that you're going to do the very things that you've dropped into my heart. Some of you have got dreams. Some of you have seen things in the future that have not been physically seen with your physical eyesight yet. But don't stop believing now. Faith is needed when faith is needed.